for me to be out here, it is an overwhelming feeling of pride and everything that rolls into that to be managing and having the final say on what's happening and what's not happening on on a small piece of our traditional country um, is brilliant. Today on Dirty Linen, I am thrilled to have with us someone from Western Queensland, Bijara woman, Keelan Mailman, was the first Aboriginal woman to take over and run a commercial cattle station. That is some years ago. She's at Mount Tabor, a station two hours from Augathella on the black soil plains of Western Queensland. Keelan, welcome to Dirty Linen. Morning and thank you so very much and um, Danny. Tell us um, tell us what things are like there at the moment. You've got a bit of a wet season happening? Yeah, we have we have had. Um, we've been lucky. We've been one of the lucky ones and sort of been in the mountains in this um, area. We've been lucky to be underneath some really good falls. Uh, last night we got another 16 mils, so that's fantastic. And tell us about the station, like what sort of cattle are you running? How many are there? How big is it? What's the land like? We've st- um, Okay, so we're just under 190,000 um, acres, the property, so it's 76,000 hectares. Um, we have adjustment here where we lease to Australian Country Choice at the moment, so it's their cattle that are here. We have um, 1,600 head on here at the moment. So, yeah, things are looking pretty good for them because we've got grass that's like four or five foot high, which um, sadly a lot of people around the country haven't got that opportunity. So I'm very grateful to the ancestors for looking after us here. Uh, Yeah, and um, what sort of country is it? Uh, A lot of mountain, hilly country. Um, We have a bit of mixture in unique country here between sands and... You know, rocky country, mountains, black soil, um, a lot of black soil throughout the property as well. So, you know, it's pretty unique up in this part of the world. You'll have to come and visit one day, mate. Uh, I would love to. Okay. I, I really would. You know, I've, I've actually been doing um, some copywriting for a cattle company that has a lot of stations in Western Queensland and the Northern Territory, and it's really made me think, a lot about that land and the traditional owners of it and the fact that, um, you know, it's, it, it is unfortunately unusual that you are on your traditional country as an owner running a business. Um, that's not really the normal state of things at the moment, is it? No, it isn't. So, you know, for my Bidjara people and the, the name of the company that um, we've come, up, come under here is Gurudanda Traditional Owners Limited. And Gurudanda is the name of Mount Tabor Station in Bidjara language. So, you know, I'm very fortunate, very blessed um, and very honoured to have been given this position on behalf of my Bidjara people and, you know, to look after our unique property that's also full of... Um, cultural heritage of any everything from rock art and um you know stone tools to burial places so i am very lucky and very fortunate because a lot of our people don't um have that opportunity so i'm very grateful for having that opportunity of being here for so long as well to call home yeah i mean it's it's interesting 
that it that gratitude is is sort of where you land because I suppose you know there'd be a lot of other emotions and feelings that could come into that you know the position that you and your people have found yourselves in over the generations what is what's some of the history that's um that's led to you being there on Bidjara land well as an owner of this <laughs> cattle station <laughs> yeah. oh my god where could I start um well obviously as you know traditional country and it has been for many and many of generations before my time and um you know the indigenous land corporation well it's ilsc now indigenous land and sea corporation purchased the property um 25 years ago and um you know it, it really is very fortunate sadly like a lot of history to me comes with it um you know one time ago when all of this country was known as the carnarvon ranges before it got broken up into lots um you know, very sad for me on that point when I, I think about that because there was uh, everyone around the country were allowed to put their name in the hat except for the blackfella and being really sad because it's tra- traditional country, you know, and my old grandfather and great-greats, grandfather and grandmothers, you know, they were they were up here and, and worked this country and, you know, I, I don't think enough recognition gets given to the traditional owner of, you know, the First Nations people, the traditional owners of country, to the hard work that they put in over over many a decades of the work that they done. And that's where we come in with the stolen wages, mate, you know. Um, back then they didn't sort of want to pay the blackfella and that's, that's Australian history that a lot of people should possibly look into because um, now they've come with their stolen wages package and for me, really sad because I've got one auntie that's living, my mum's sibling, and, you know, to have have them have a time frame of where you can start the stolen wages from to where it finishes is pretty sad, really, because my grandfather's worked for 27 years before that and never got a dime. So... You know, there's a lot of lot of things that's wrapped up in all of that. Um, a lot of sadness around the, you know, the um, stolen generation, and yeah, there's just so many things of sadness that I think a lot of Australians, you know, like we're the first people, but you're an Australian too. You know, if you're living in Australia and you're Australian born, you're an Australian too, and you're living in a country with the oldest living cultural race in the world. Um, you know, be proud of our country and look more into the history of what what has really taken place in our country to have a better understanding of why there's so much hurt and anger and disappointment, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's just endless conversations that we could draw out of all the things that you've you've just touched on there. Um I mean so much of the wealth of Australia is is built on the work of um, of the first Australians who, you know, as you say, were not always, you know, <laughs> perhaps that isn't what they, um, they well, not really what they wanted to be doing. Um, uh, and as you say, they weren't always paid for what they did. Um, and, of course, many of the, you know, the, the land grabbing, there was a lot of violence as well and a lot of dislocation where it's, you know, people 
it's I think it's sadly unusual that that you're on your traditional lands and um and that you know you're 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 the one that's got the say on what happens there. Yeah, I, I feel really really proud of that. Like when I did first come out here, I was on you know a CD CDP program. If you might have ever heard of that. And it was a work for the Dole program where I worked for four and a half years on $165 a week um, running this big property. So, you know. Wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, you know, um, that was a lot of people now, you know, get caught up in material possession, I think, with um, too much money, too much of this. But to me, if you don't have a good heart, it's worth nothing anyway. But back then, you know, like they didn't get paid. They were lucky to get paid rations. And, you know, a lot of our people were paid with opium. You know, that's um, that's true facts that's passed down through my family generation. So for me to be out here, it is an overwhelming feeling of pride and everything that rolls into that to be managing and having the final say on what's happening and what's not happening on on a small piece of our traditional country um, is brilliant. It's fantastic, Denny. So, you know, and the the property is magnificent. It's it's not only full of culture and cultural heritage, it's also very scenic. So it is powerful. What sort of things are you able to do in terms of, you know, reclaiming that um, incredible heritage is, is are you able to gather other um, Bidra people there and and engage in you know in some traditional activities or ceremonies or traditional life in any way yeah absolutely Danny um, that is the you know that is something that's so magic and magnificent about having this small small part of our country because we actually own it you know every person that's got a descendant and have the bidger of blood that's running through your veins is a part owner of this magnificent place so to us it's our safe place like when if you've ever got to read or have had the opportunity to read my book the power of bones um, I spoke about bringing back our ancestors the first lot of our bidger ancestors from the Queensland Museum back onto country so to us this is our safe place to bring them back out onto country. Um, they haven't come from here, but they've come from close by and at least we can look after them. We've had a lot of um, our Bidjara people, young and elders coming out here through different times, doing um, women healing trips and, you know, teaching the younger generation, passing down the cultural heritage of continuity and connection to country to keep passing that down. So it's, it's, it's been brilliant for us. It's been something that we're all very proud of because we can practice all that here on the property and nobody at all can stop us. So, so it's, it's fantastic, Danny. It really is. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, it, it's every part of Australia, you know, has that heritage, um, and it is really so tragic and wrong that it's difficult for so many traditional owners to connect with their traditional lands in that way. I think it's also weird, you know, as a as a non-Indigenous Australian, you know, I'm in Melbourne and, of course, Melbourne's got 
just as much Indigenous history as any other part of Australia. But I think so many people think of, the, you know, the Indigenous history as, as somewhere out there, you know, like that it's, um, yeah, like it's, it's, it's not also in the cities. But, of course, it, it is just as much, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It is, you know, and it's really sad. Like you look back over history and, and I was only talking, you know, <laughs> with a, another Bidjara sister um, about how we travel back the other day and we sort of um, went out sort of driving about and stuff and to go out around Charleville and, you know, get a couple of kilometres out of town and you can see water laying everywhere and it's running everywhere and, you know, it's like Charleville has this big dome of of um, bad hanging over it, which is really sad, but it sort of brought us back to the opportunity of, like you're saying, in cities or anywhere around Australia, obviously, but, you know, in Charleville, the Catholic Church um, was built on an Aboriginal burial ground. Oh. Okay. So, so you know, there, there's all those histories and that, that's in recorded history. So it is really fascinating. And, you know, um, yes, there is that culture all around Australia. So, you know, we, we've just got to listen to each other, work together and, and keep moving forward. To, you know, I'm a big believer in reconciliation and I believe that if we all, you know, listen, talk together, work together, we can build the bridge together to make our world a better place to live in, mate. That that's me anyway. Maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm thinking outside the box, Danny, but that's my hope and that's my wish. Yeah, well I mean I, I definitely share those those same hopes and I think um so many people do. It's just that sometimes the path is uh is pretty unclear and, and pretty muddy and there's just uh yeah, seems to be quite a few roadblocks in the way um but but definitely we've got to get there i mean it's yeah it's such an important part of australia yeah moving forward together um one of the things that you know people often talk about with um when europeans came to australia and brought their cattle and brought their sheep is the way that those hard hoofs degrade the land i'm just wondering how you're able to balance the you know, a commercial cattle operation with that land care? Oh, I think it's something that, to me, it comes um, natural. Um, I just believe that, you know, doing all the, the you know, the fire burning management, um, it, it is a struggle with a lot of the different weeds that are coming down through floodwaters of gullies and that, that are running. But, you know, you just get in there and you, you try and do it all. And I... Like I thank my ancestors on a day-to-day basis for um, giving me the opportunity for my knowledge, more importantly being so remote to keeping me safe. But it, it just makes me proud to be walking on country where the footprints of my ancestors walked for hundreds of thousands of years, you know, before me. So... I try really hard and I do the best that I can, um, you know, because obviously from when European first come in, you know, we as Aboriginal people, First Nation people, we had to adapt to all the changes. So, you know, um, there's a lot of, you know, trauma that's taken place, but we, we all try and 
work through it, I think, mate. Um, some people, sadly, some people, sadly, I think, really struggle really badly. But, you know, for me, sort of being out here, I just work hard and, and try and make it work, Danny, so that, you know, my people have got this magnificent place and a bit of, bit of our, you know, traditional country to come to. Um, you know, a lot of things sadden me, like the native title should never have ever been the way it is. Um, so many things, mate. <laughs> you know, I could go on about a lot of heartaches and, you know, I have a lot of happy times and happy memories here as well on the property. But just knowing that I have my ancestors all around me, including my mum and three younger siblings, a sister and two brothers, it just keeps me strong, I think, to just keep on soldiering on. That's a lot of loss. Um, even I mean, as you say, they're there with you, but that's you've obviously experienced a lot of loss in your life as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, it was only January last year that we lost my younger brother, Carl, which he was the baby of the family. He was um, 44. So, you know, sadly, our people too, you know, um, we, we were never drinkers. I mean, I know that, um, you know, that... Drugs might have come into it right back then with the opium, but going through, our people should never have ever drank alcohol, you know, because um, that's what sadly took the life of my two younger brothers and uh, it wasn't the case, though, with my younger sister. Mm, that's Yeah, it's really sad. I'm sure that getting some of your young people out there on country and, um, yeah, with with that work to be done I'm sure that that's goes a long way to keeping people yeah I guess productive and on track and healthy and um, with a sense of purpose Mm. well we'll go back to getting the help of work Danny (laughs) Um, I've been here for 24 years I celebrated that on International Women's Day and we've had a few of our people come out here and do some of the hard jacker but very very little and sadly the younger generation with the technology and stuff now and being so remote, um, you know, because three hours is the closest bigger town, two hours for a small town. So a lot of a lot of our people, um, you know, well, I can talk from a bigger of people anyway. I can't talk for all the other traditional owner groups, of course. Uh, a lot of them don't like the isolation, mate. <laughs> you know, to think... Um, to think our old people just slept out there, you know, on the ground or under a little, you know, bark hut in a cave. A lot of these generations now don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I'd want my. Do- I think I'd want my doona <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they didn't have that back then, and that's why I get angry with the doll, Danny. Um. You know. Pro- you know, probably because I, um, I've always been a worker and always worked hard and believe that if you want something, you know, work for it, put in the hard yards, you know, do the hard yakka. And, you know, to be out here for four and a half years on $165 a week should tell a lot of people. So um, to be looking after this big place and, you know, I, I just think that it's, they've got it too easy, mate. That, that's my belief. I get angry with that. Well, I mean, when we were preparing for this conversation, you know, we did touch on the fact that um, 
JobKeeper is is finishing up for businesses at the end of the month and um, the JobSeeker, which is the unemployment payment, is reducing again, although it's going up slightly from its previous base. And you, you said you did have some strong feelings about those programs. Do you want to um, share some of those views? Yeah, well, I, yeah, I'd love to, Danny. Um, you know, like we've had the dole in. Obviously, I feel very sad for the businesses because, um, you know, everyone around the world, we've went through a huge impact of the COVID, what COVID done to us. Um, so we're everyone's struggling. The thing is, is, um, you know, having the job keeper and job, you know, the job seeker and that coming in, like with the amounts of money that, that people were getting at that particular time, um, a lot of those people weren't working anyway. So that angered me um, that they were getting an extra $550 a fortnight and a lot of them never even had any intentions of working. And I'm talking about black, white, whatever nationality you are, whatever age and gender you are. Um, so to me... Um, you know the the jobs um, keeper is the one for the businesses. Is that right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that businesses should have that to keep going for longer to help them come out of all of the loss of income and they're trying to survive to keep their businesses going. And having that stay in is a great way for them to be able to you know, keep more employment to be able to help pay their employees and to, you know, get to a stage where they've built it up sustainably to keep moving forward then for the future. Job now, um, job seeker, is a job seekers the one that gets uh, five, that we're getting the extra 550 a week? Um, uh, a fortnight, yeah. A fortnight, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think the government had that wrong. They should have looked, possibly have looked into it a bit more. Um, you know, we've got, you know, electronics nowadays, you know, that can, they know when people's working, they know when someone hasn't worked for two or three years. Why did those people get that extra $550? It's created, a, it's created good, but it's created a big mess as far as I'm concerned. It's given people the opportunity to have an extra $550 a fortnight. Drugs have taken over our country. It's killing our people of all nationalities, ages and genders. When do we, have, when do we get to the stage to pull up with that moving forward? Now, they're saying there's a lot of people that's struggling, and, and I do understand all of that. And people might say it's good... It's okay for me because I've got an income. Well, why don't they think about the four and a half years that I worked here for $165 a week, worked for the Dole program. Then I went up to a whopping $280 a week for about six years. Okay? So they're getting way more money than what I'd done hard yakka for. So what the government, you know, they've um, they bought in the cards, you know, for the Aboriginal people where they used that to buy the food. That didn't work. Um, to me, that was wrong as well because it should have been across the board for everyone, all nationalities. That's where they're keeping the divide. Don't just pinpoint the blackfellas and the, you know, to do that. So they've got that wrong. Then when they've 
um, a lot of people were saying they were struggling. Now, I'm an, I've got an investment property, and I thought, oh, good God, I'm struggling enough as it is to keep going even though I'm getting a good income. Thankfully, I had great tenants that never whinged and whined about me having to let them off with their rent. But I was trying to work out, Benny, um, why so many people were struggling when they were getting an extra $550 a fortnight on top of what they were surviving on beforehand anyway. Does that make sense of what I'm trying to say to you? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really interesting perspective and it's, I mean, yeah, I know that a lot of people, especially in regional Australia, have found it very hard to find staff and there is a lot of feeling around that, um, that increased um, unemployment payment. Um, I, I don't know, like I... I, I do, I don't know. I, from from where I sit, I don't know if I entirely agree with you because I feel like it was really important to have money flowing through the economy and that some people were doing it super tough and for a lot of people it was impossible to find work. But I know that there are lots of different views and, yeah, I know, I mean, I've definitely heard anecdotally that there have been people happy to sit at home because they've got enough money to get by, at least for this period. I don't know, like there's been this proposal that's come out recently that people on the dole are going to have to be, if there's a job in a regional area, they're going to be obliged to take it. And to me, I feel like, well, that's, you can't tell people where to live, Um you know, people have got their lives set up where they've got their lives set up and it just might not suit them to be told to move. But I feel like I can also hear from what you're saying, maybe that maybe there should be some people that are, um, you know, sent out to do some station hand work and, uh, yeah, just get themselves on track. I don't know. I just hadn't thought of it from the point of view that people were sitting around spending the money on drugs and um, feeling like it was just a bit of a holiday. Uh, so- <laughs> probably probably because I'm out in the community, Danny. But, look, it's good that you didn't agree with everything that I had to say. Um, it's not that I'm saying that all people were doing that. Don't get me wrong. No, no, sure. There were many hundreds of thousands of people that was. So don't get me wrong with um, thinking that, but I'm looking at the. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at a good majority of a lot of other people. Now, using my own family as an example here, like single parents and that were really struggling. Um, but then it gave them the opportunity to go off track and do a lot of other things. The government should have been looking at um, productive ways of using that money. Now, what I mean is within that is a lot of people were getting an extra uh, $550 a fortnight. They paid their rent and bought their food and done everything else before they got that. Why did all of a sudden they get that amount of money and then they can't pay rent? Then they're getting moved out of homes because, you know, then they're getting evicted out of places because they can't pay their rent. You know, or that's the sort of thing that angers me. And that's the sort of thing that I can't understand because the money's getting used elsewhere instead of to good. And I'm not talking about everyone. I'm, I'm just using a couple of my family members as an example in this one. Um, and, you know, I could go to my younger daughter where it's getting cut down and she's struggling even more because her income goes on my wage. So I'm sort of trying to keep myself afloat and I've got to wait until she turns 22, which is at the end of the year, before she can get a different 
a decent sort of an income from the doll to keep going, you know, I just think there's a balance that needs to be looked at, like things, different things need to be looked at. Like if they were quick enough to put out um, a $500 food cart, why not have it set up so that the, the money from Centrelink, instead of it going straight into your bank account so you can be destructive with other things where you've lost your way, um, and I'm talking about drugs and alcohol and all of that, and I'm not knocking all of those people, you know, but there's a lot of things that people need to be, you know, be really truthful here. So why not have the people, trying to give you an example of my perspective of it, why not have um, people that are paying rent in a place use that $550 to go straight to, the, to their rent? Does, do you see what I'm, where I'm coming from? I do, Keelan. And also, I mean, you know, I know when I've been in conversations in and around this this kind of stuff, then, you know, other people talk about autonomy and that you can't um, take those kinds of decisions out of people's hands and everyone has to have, you know, find their own way. And, I mean, I can see that from both sides as well. But, you know, the main thing I'm feeling from this conversation is that there is such there are such big gulfs between different parts of our Australian society. There are so many more conversations that need to be had to create a better understanding of the different kinds of circumstances that people find themselves in. And I think this is all part of, you know, that bigger conversation around reconciliation where how do we actually move forward together when there are such big gulfs in experience and understanding. And, I mean, I suppose pulling back from these these issues of, you know, government payments and all those the, all those sort of where, you know, where the money goes, all those details, what are some of the, the really big things that you feel like Australia needs to get happening to, to increase understanding and decrease these the distances between us, Keelan, like, I mean, I'm thinking about things like a, you know, Aboriginal recognition in the constitution or a voice to parliament, these kinds of things, um, things that you look towards, or do you feel like the conversations need to, need to go in another direction? Yeah, look, absolutely. I think, you know, we, and we do have voices in there, but maybe they should be listening, listening more and actions, you know, Action shape your destiny. Um, so, you know, instead of all the talk, um, do that, you know. Just get in and do it instead of talking about it. Um, and, you know, where you were saying earlier there, Danny, about, um, you know, people have the right and the free to, you know, work their own right to have their own independence. Well, they didn't think about that with the, the blackfellas up in the Territory when the government... Nobody else had their say. The government just decided it was good to send in, you know, the army into the traditional owner groups up there and then put out a, you know, a gift card. They made that decision. Yeah, no, sure. So the rest of Australia, what I'm trying to say is we all go to vote. We, if we don't vote, we get a fine. Um, So we've voted in a prime minister for an example given an example and there's been a couple of occasions now where we've went to bed with the prime minister and woke up with a totally different one because we didn't get the opportunity to vote <laughs> i mean you know what i mean like 
and that's true facts as well. Like, you know, going to bed and waking up and, you know, Kevin Rudd was our Prime Minister going to sleep and then waking up and, hello, we've got a new Prime Minister in Australia, Julie Gillard, and nobody had the opportunity to vote. So where, where, where do we start, you know? So we can do all the talking, but it's, it's actions that have got to be put in place. Like we've tried really hard here as a traditional owner group working in a partnership with um, Holistic Justice where Keith Hamburger was the Deputy Minister for Correctional Services for 40 years. So we went into partnership and it's going into its sixth year now where we fought and fought to have a healing centre, rehabilitation centre built out here on the property and to get the funds to help to get it up and going where we could stop the incarceration of our younger generation and our people going into the prison, you know, once you go into the youth detentions. Sadly, somewhere along the line, you end up in, in the big house. And we were trying to stop all of that, you know, um, trying to find the healing because the best form of healing for Indigenous people, you know, is on, on land, in, on country. We did also work together to have a percentage of the of the the wider Australia, you know, um, so it wasn't all a blackfella thing. So we were trying to build that bridge where we all work together to have a percentage of both. Um, all ministers and everything signed off because it was a great, great project where we could have saved millions and millions of dollars for the for the government and to possibly stop you know, all the building of more cement prisons and millions of dollars going into that. Mother Nature. And has that got off the ground, that program? No, Denny, no. Sadly, it hasn't. Um, like I said, we're still fighting along. Everything was signed off for, for us to get our $500, um, you know, feasibility study to have it start. And like I said, Mother Nature's the boss. So natural disasters took preference there and I fully understand all of that but when do we come back to the table to say look here to build the business case study here's the 500,000 get going on that let's try and stop all of this you know but we're still fighting for that mate. Well I think that's terrible and that just sounds like such a good program. I know that in New South Wales in the past week two Aboriginal people have died in custody and in the past week one Aboriginal person has died in custody in Victoria and at the same time there are, you know, cases and inquiries going going through, you know, the legal system looking into other deaths in custody and it's just, I mean, it is an urgent issue for all of us um, and it sounds like you've really, you know, got one pathway to a, to you know, a better solution. So I think that's the kind of thing that should be prioritised. Yeah, absolutely, Danny. And that's what I said. It's about us trying to work together to try and make our world a better place. You know, like I, I went through, like I only ever had a half a year eight education. So, you know, it was really hard for me to go through all those weeks of being a qualified Cert 3 trainer assessor, you know. Um, because I, w I wanted that under my belt for being out here in agricultural on the land to be able to have that in my corner 
for the setup of possibly doing something like this because we all know a lot nowadays, you know, you need certificates in this, qualification certificates in that. So I went through all that heartache into having that, but we're still not getting anywhere, you know, like because we all, you know, I, I think I'd rather be on a remote property where I can learn fencing and learn chainsaws, get a certificate to help hopefully better me for a job in the future to being in a jail where I'm, you know, surrounded by cement. With, with Sounds bars, like a no-brainer, you know? no that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it definitely is. Um, you know, it, it would be fantastic for it to, you know, yeah. to ever get off the ground. But I, I just don't know, mate. It's six years now. Um, I'm getting very tired. I've done a lot of went around and travelled around and, you know, had a lot of meetings, um, done a lot of begging and, and it still hasn't got anywhere, mate. So, you know, I would like a part of all the money. Like I said, I'm not, not holding it against a lot of people that are out there struggling um, at all. I mean, that's not my intentions, but it's just sort of look at things and try and work together and put money into things that could be more productive and better for the future. Yeah, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Um, yeah, Killen, um, just as we wrap up the conversation, I would love you to tell me what, what are some of the jobs that need doing around the station? Like what do the cattle need at the moment? What, yeah, what do you, what is, what's on your list of things to do? <laughs> um, well, thankfully, Danny, I, I'm, I'm one of the people that can be very thankful that there's plenty of water and feed on the property. So the cattle don't need much at the moment. But I have been working really hard, um, you know, so fences, jobs just pop up. You know, one day you might think that you've got this job planned out. So I suppose you've got to be born ready in a way. Um, you know, and, and I always think, you know, that my ancestors had my path planned out before I was even born. So, you know, you could be in the middle of um, welding or doing something now and then you end up with the busted pipe. So fixing that so any of that sort of stuff could come up so it's yeah it's just what's happening and on a good day if you've got something planned out well you're sort of hoping that you know you get to do that job for the whole of the day so it never ends really <laughs> <laughs> it never ends on a property I bet. But, um you know i wouldn't have it any other way and like i said it's it's hard yakka um, but it's a, a beautiful place and space to be in on traditional country. And, and I, my heart went out to many of millions or trillions of people around the world when um, COVID devastated us all because I've got just under 190,000 acres that I was just roaming around freely. <laughs> So yeah, good. You know, bless everyone. I was in because... I was in my five k here in Melbourne, <laughs> you know, and and um, very sad because you know a lot of mental health issues took a toll, even worse. Um, a thing that saddens and breaks my heart is suicide. Um, you know, there's a number of things. So, you know, marriage mm. breakups, and you know, you had to be terribly strong people, mate, to to come through what we've just come through. And I, I think that I'm ever so grateful, Danny. Um, I think you'd agree with me to be an Australian and um, I'm overly wrapped more so that I'm a Queenslander. So through everything we've been through. Uh, well, I think, 
yeah, we could all learn a bit from you about strength and resilience and yeah, just big plans and, and big ideas. Um, Keelan, I'm really grateful to you for having this conversation with us today. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's really got me thinking about, you know, the, the differences and the gulfs that we still have um, to bridge here in this country. And um, I really thank you for yeah, uh, helping me build a little bridge here today in this podcast. Thank you so much for chatting. Fantastic, Danny. And it's been a privilege to have been invited onto your show. So thank you all so very much as well. Thank you. Good luck out there with the fences and the pipes. Okay. <laughs> Good on you, mate. <laughs> thank you. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.